1: to share this episode thanks to these fine companies i depend on in the field game changer calls the gc was designed with all hunting callers in mind though elk is the intended target the unique size is a game-changing tool for turkey and coyote callers as well it is not designed to replace your tube or open reeds, but rather to complement the caller's repertoire in the field vortex optics proudly made in the usa hoffman boots If you're heading to the backcountry and you need some meals that won't bog you down, check out sasquatchfuel.com. 100% compostable packaging was designed to combat litter in the backcountry. For more information on conservation in action, head over to sasquatchfuel.com. Titanium archery products. Dedicated archers deserve truly unique products that provide all the performance attributes that they demand. And that's exactly what TAP delivers. For more brands we run and trust, jump on westerncontours.com, partner's page, look for the code WESTERNCONTOURS, and save a few dollars off your order. So we're on with Alan Shankle of uh Rutstruck Fame. What's up, man? Been chomping at getting this done for a while. Finally good to catch yep. up with you and talk a little hunting and Rutstruck and man, the uh the ever fast coming elk season that's upon us, man.
2: It can't come soon enough either.
1: <laughs> so we are uh let me see, I'm I'm just outside of thirty days, but I think you guys are inside of that, right? You guys start what the twenty eighth or 29th ninth this year.
2: Yeah, this year we start the 29th. Last okay. year we even started earlier, uh, but yeah, we'll be we'll be right here at the end of August. We'll be getting after it. So. Oh yeah,
1: are you <laughs> you getting into that bear season coming up here on the first or?
2: Yeah, so August first, uh, fall bear, and uh, actually I could get, get in on a little elk hunt as well um saturday my wife actually has a muzzle muzzleloader cow tag here in eastern oregon and uh that starts the first of august so it's going to be a hot one and, and a lot of people don't like to go out during this time but it's perfect these elk are all are like summer routines still and all that and, and uh when they're not being pressured and whatnot it makes it a lot easier for the wife to pick out a cow that doesn't have a calf or something so i uh, work this saturday i'm actually going elk hunting which is pretty neat
1: <laughs> man greenwood envy dude who doesn't want to go chase elk who cares what the damn temperature is <laughs> hey, right. it's, they,
2: they, these tags go for three months long so oh wow kind of, they go three months long so they'll wait and they'll wait till it gets a little cooler so they don't worry about putting their elk in a cooler and all that stuff but it's it's funner to go I, i've been waiting to go out in like you know all year long so Heck yeah I'm, ready. <laughs> I'm excited
1: yeah we get a little bit of taste right before uh archery kicks off man
2: uh, yeah and i've been i've been at the range a lot lately we've been i mean getting ready for spring bear uh i have a buddy of mine that he uh he's he's got he's into long range uh shooting and all that and he actually he's, he hunts with his rifle he shoots a 28 mausler and He's kind of been teaching me the ropes of that, and I used to be a, a rifle hunter back in the day, and uh, he got me into it, and so I've been at the range all summer with him too, and uh ended up picking up a rifle mule tag in Idaho this year, oh, nice. and then figured I'd figure cut my teeth on a tall bear hunt, I'm taking off and going to do a little bear hunting too, so I'm, at, I'm trying, trying to get into hunting as fast as I can before September, maybe you know, get my boost dirty before. So. I mean,
1: that's the dude. that's the key. Right. And, and, you know, when I look at my tags here every year, that that's what I'm shooting for is like the, the longest hunting season that I can get on my tag. So that early archery season we were talking about and that, you know, hundred plus degree hell um, that goes from uh, July all the way to the end of September, elk will, you know, take a portion of that. But then I have a late season that starts uh, mid-October that goes all the way to January uh, 1st. And it's just yeah, like, it's man, fun. you know what I mean? That's almost six months of hunting, dude. So it's like, I don't yeah. care about a draw or, you know what I mean? Just give me time in the woods, on the mountain.
2: Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, that's kind of how we are too. I mean, I have a family that half of them rifle hunt, some of them archery hunt. And and like my my dad, he, he rifle hunts. So his tag starts in October. As soon as we're done, you know. As soon as we're done uh, with September here, I jump over and go uh, go to Idaho for a mule deer hunt. At the beginning of October, come back for a first season bull tag here in Oregon with my dad. A five day hunt, and all it is is a five day hunt bull bull tag over here. And then as soon as that's done, my uncle has a second season spike tag. Gonna help him with that. And then you know you got other cat tags and whatnot going on from there I, that's what I try to do too that's all of us try to do we try to extend our seasons as much as possible Heck
1: yeah I mean ain't no sense ain't no sense waiting you know nine ten months and you only have to wait seven Sorry yeah absolutely it, you know So before we get too carried away, man, why don't, uh, just for folks that don't, you know, haven't heard of Rutstruck or uh, follow you guys, why don't you drop us a little bit of an intro, give us some background on yourself, and then talk about Rutstruck a little bit.
2: All right. Well, uh, an easier way to introduce us uh, and kind of let you guys know who we are, Um, we're just a group of friends that have grown up hunting together. Uh, Most of it started during rifle hunting uh, for elk growing up. And uh, it originally started when, uh, you know, my brother my brother decided he wanted to switch up archery. And I would, uh, just before that I was helping my buddy about five before that, just calling out for him, and then you know learning the ropes that way before I switched over. And, um, anyways, my my brother's like, you know, I, I really want to archery hunt, and I was like, well, man, like if you start archery hunting, then I'll call for you, and then we'll see how the first year goes with you archery hunting and. And, uh, maybe I'll eventually just because the five day hunt in Oregon is so tough. I mean, a lot of pressure right away. And if you, if you do see a bull, I mean, even if it has antlers, you're shooting and the opportunities are slim and the success rates are pretty low. So, um, I wanted as much opportunity and hunting time as possible. So that's why I was like, you know, that was a great idea. So. My brother actually switched over to archery and uh, he had a buddy that uh, was in archery too. He didn't have any hunting partners. Um, his hunting partners actually didn't live here. So he was looking for like, people to hunt with. And so joined up with my brother and I, and uh, the fur or the second night me and my brother hunted together, we actually ended up shooting. He ended up shooting a bull at 10 yards and uh, we're, you know, that's often a great start and get that bull off the mountain then the next day, you know, we take our buddy uh Jake Kerberg slur, who we call him, uh, take him up and uh end up calling in his first archery bull that night and he shoots that one at twenty yards. So in two nights we drop you know, we harvested two bulls. And uh, you know, I thought that's pretty good luck to start with. No one would believe kinda, you know, we just jump just start, start harvesting animals and then. Uh, Next year, I was like, you know what? I'm gonna I'm gonna decide to archery hunt as well. So, um, we ended up actually in five total. We ended up all tagging out, you know. And we get, I could tell to get into more detailed story later, but um, you know, I was like, this is nuts. Like how we went rifle hunting and then we jump over to arch. Of course, I was calling for a buddy for the five years before this, so uh, like, it's not like I didn't know what I was getting myself into and whatnot, you know and uh, you know, was to start off archery hunting with that kind of luck and, and, uh, filling tags like that, I was like, you know what, guys, we need to start filming this stuff. And I was like, nobody's going to, no one believes this. Like everyone probably thinks there's something, this is unreal. So we actually started just picking up a camera and, uh, that changed the game a lot. Like anyone that tries to pick up a camera and go, go try to film their hunt and all that stuff. It, it's a lot, it's a lot more difficult than you think. And, uh, Anyways, yeah, so we that's basically how it all started. We me and my brothers hunted together for a really long time. We came from a family of hunting and um we just joined up with a few of our buddies and uh Jake McAllister, we call him Big Cat. He uh he rifle hunted with us for years too, and he ended up you know, he hunted with me for the past 15 years and whatnot, and he finally last year actually jumped over to our and we we called him in his first bowl last year with his bow and shot it his first year ever archering as well. So the luck continues. And, uh, you know, we actually, <laughs> that's kind of where the name came from as well. like, once, once we got into the, kind of rut struck, you know, like then instantly we had bulls. we were calling in bulls and they're coming and screaming. It's like, you know, the, that's where, that's where you, that's where the, you get the dreams from, you know, you, you, you that's exactly what like dreams were made up there, and so uh, yeah, we we just ended up starting via yeah, these, uh, these and that's how we came together, and we have a channel, and uh, you know we are just out here having fun. That's that's really who we are and what we do. We just hunt, it's possible we shed hunt in the off seasons. We're doing everything we can, but we're just vlogging basically everything we do, and it is a blast. We're just sharing it with the world,
1: so yeah you got and that's one of the things when I first started following you I think it was a couple of years ago after that after a hoodoo shoot or something and uh man, you guys pile the sheds, dude
2: <laughs> yeah, and that's one thing too is that like when I went grew you know uh during the winter I tend to put a few pounds on or whatnot, and that that's been my workout plan every year'm like you know uh that's the best way to lose weight keep it off and keep yourself ready for, you know, your spring season, hunt season and all that stuff. So yeah, that's when we started, you know, shed hunting like crazy. I start I started shed hunting when we, you know, younger age. And, uh, I don't know. It just, addicting and now you can't keep me off the mountain even in the springtime so right i mean there's something to be said about it right
1: Is and you know you're you're out there shed hunting but you're gathering information that whole time too right i mean it it, there are some things that come along with it outside of pounds of shed in the pack
2: No, absolutely and we you know that's one thing like I stress. I think scouting and doing all that kind of stuff—it's uh, it, a whole other world. You, it's just you another way of learning these animals and whatever you're hunting and uh, where they're going from winter ranges to you know to their breeding grounds and all that kind of stuff. It's just more information to put in your head, and I can st- I, I consider it all helpful. Every from you know start to finish, from shed hunting all the way till hunting season. So. I mean, and really, when
1: you—I don't know if I should say especially—but when you start talking elk, I don't know that there's anything more important than the knowledge of the animal, right? And understanding the the whys of what they're—you know, there's there's not many things that they're worried about, right? Um, Food, water, you know, bedding area, and then you know our favorite time of year when they're rutting. But outside of that, I mean, just having that knowledge of the whys when it comes to elk is is up there with knowing how to play the wind with those buggers
2: no absolutely and also i mean if we're, you're shed hunting all this ground too you're covering a lot of ground you start learning all the ground you start learning where you know you walk through an area and you can see rubs from that either the september before or and maybe they're maybe they're trying to rub and knock some antlers off or whatever but you can tell the difference you learn that you learn to tell the difference of how those rubs are you find bedding ground and you just you, that's why all next maps is like Or base map or whatever but we use onyx and i seriously my on my onyx maps i bet i have like two thousand marks on markers on that deal yeah yeah, i mean it's just from covering ground and learning all this stuff the next thing you know like you're going hunting over that area you're like oh yeah well i remember this right here and then you click your icon and next thing you know you're uh you're saying and then they're betting grounds but no that's that's just my whole thought behind it all And, and i mean who doesn't love picking up a little bit of antlers anyway so
1: Um, Yeah. And, you know, and I never really, I don't know. I, I, there's a lot of no offense to anyone. There's a lot of hype with shed hunting, right? It's the kind of the thing to do. It's the popular thing to do. And I don't know, and I'm making an assumption, but I don't know that people are looking at it as an opportunity to learn that animal and put data together and make correlations between, you know, those rubs and where they're picking up sheds um, as to behavior and, and travel things like that.
2: And what it's turned into is it's either a way for somebody to make money or just uh it's a way to become Insta famous. Whatever, however you want to look at it, but, I mean we're small town guys over here in uh eastern Oregon and it's like yeah, you know, there's not the time to do around here, so it's it's fishing, hunting, and other than that, bound to get in trouble or something. You know, you let
1: and you know yeah. and so you bring up you bring up eastern oregon and you know when you start talking elk hunting or hunting in general in oregon you know we're we're talking a lot of times you hear people talking about you know that cascade range or the five west start talking rosies and blacktail um and not that we want to ha- you know there's no elk in eastern oregon folks so get that through your heads right now um but man eastern oregon is Loaded with outdoor opportunities, we'll say.
2: <laughs> no, absolutely. I mean, we have a giant wilderness over here. We have, I mean, I won't get in too much into detail about all that, but like there is a, you have a lot. The only problem with Oregon is, uh, just I mean, besides archery, there really isn't. a amount of state. I mean, you know what? A lot of people coming from out of state. Anymore, because because there's not as many hunts and opportunities for them part of so and uh with the changing of this year you know next year um i don't know it's not official i don't think it may be, but they're talking about making our draw uh, so that's going to even make things more difficult as well for that but um but yeah i mean that's the way we look at it we just if there's if we're not hunting something for hunting and if we're not, you know, doing something for hunting, but then we're working on our gear or do whatever, whatever to make us better for the upcoming seasons. So,
1: um, so outside of the elk passion, man, what, uh, what fuels you over there?
2: You know, uh, honestly, I, uh, I just had a baby girl. And she, you know, that, that's what fuels me. I, I put meat on the table for someone else besides myself and my wife. So, but no i i just had i just had a baby girl, and uh besides that man i mean I do a lot of like fishing in the summertime so when i get by, uh, you know i basically camp and fish on it, it all the
1: yeah congrats congrats on the girl man.
2: Oh, I appreciate that. That's appreciate
1: a, that. that's a life changer. You're having them in mine, mine just moved out. She moved to, uh, Hawaii about three weeks ago, eh, maybe four weeks ago. Now
2: I seen your Instagram post about that. And I was just thinking, myself, hey, I'm going to be right there. In <laughs>
1: Dude, I, you know, want- I'm, uh, I'm pretty emotionally secure, right? I don't care if I, you know, I'll tear up for certain things. Dude, I cried for a day and a half. <laughs>
2: yeah, it's a it's weird, man. Once you have a kid, like it's a I, I have a whole new like outlook on life, but I have a whole new like, you know, re- respect for women in general. Just, you know, things change as soon as, as soon as I like met my little girl, like everything changed for me. Oh yeah. And right. it's, it's just pretty crazy. And you know, I have, I'm only in the first, first part of this. She's only, you know, only about four and a half months old, five months old. now, And, uh, yeah, she's not even here yet. And I'm already like, you know, I, I already. <laughs> so.
1: Yeah. You, you'll find yourself preparing for certain things for years. And when they smack you in the face, you'll be like, damn, I wasn't ready for that. Right.
2: Yeah. And I think one thing I'm like super excited but you know, growing up here in Eastern Oregon, like you don't have all the other distractions of, um, you know, living as you would in the city, and like, and and you can get away. You literally put your cell phone down, and you can you can drive five minutes out of this town right now, and you're out in a you know you're out in the rural part of the county, and or you go hit the timber in ten minutes, and like that's one thing I always took for granted as, and. I'm, you know, and when my daughter gets older, like she's gonna realize what she has in front of us because you know, when I was growing up, things like that always came for granted because you you thought they would always be there, but think times are changing nowadays, and you know, I I, I'm I'm worried for uh, for like my little girl for having all the opportunities that I have. It's gonna be kind of crazy, a lot different, but yeah, she's that's fills me. I mean, just trying to strive and get better and rust Ruck and, uh, the whole filming thing, like, you know, uh, the whole editing, filming, that's a whole other world besides the hunting world. So I guess you could say that's another one that feels fire. Um, you know, making the videos, editing them up. That, that's another, that's another thing that I love
1: to do. So yeah. film is fun. But like you said, man, the discipline, the discipline involved with it, um, is rough dude. I mean, I've, I've tried for years and most of that stuff is C roll. It's not even B roll, rated. (laughs) It's C roll. I mean, it just takes another level of discipline to stay focused on that. And then even, you know, even if you stay focused on it, you may, you may not capture it the way you saw it or the way that you want to present it. I mean, there's so many variables with that mess. And yeah. And
2: and when you're hunting and trying, you know, that whole, that whole mess, it's crazy. I mean, we went for the first couple of years trying it, uh, we'd be like, okay, we are doing this. We're going to stick to it and all this stuff. <laughs> and then we, we uh, like the midway part of season and we're like, we haven't killed a bull yet. And, you know, normally like even now we've been together since, I mean, I started archery hunting in like 2013 and every, every year since then, like we've never had a dry year. We, I mean, knock knocked on wood, <laughs> but we haven't had a dry year where we'd never harvested a bull. And like, Couple of these, uh, like two seasons in, from trying to film this, we uh, we get halfway through the season, we haven't got a bully down yet, and uh one night I was like, you know what, guys, let's just go back to having fun. I'm gonna camera staying in the pickup, and I'm not joking. We literally made it, you know, an hour into that hunt, and we had a bull down, and I was like, Are you, and it was like, like perfect, perfect filming opportunity. came in broadside, twenty yards, there, it was like picture perfect <laughs> and uh yeah so that happened and then ever since then man it's been just we're just sticking to it where you just gotta put your head down and do it and uh you know it's things are starting to turn out now and, out. and the fact of like learning how to edit and stuff you as long as you get as much footage as you know as possible like the whole editing thing becomes a lot easier because you got a lot more to work with yeah
1: so. and it's fun too i i love sitting down and going through that stuff i mean not only are you reliving it but you get to present it um in a way that you experienced it right i mean it, it's just yeah i love doing it
2: absolutely it's funner too when you when you have these conversations this on film and one of the one of your my brother you know or one of the other guys and they said this is what they said and blah 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 i all i gotta do is hit play on the camera oh this is what you <laughs> 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 or you know getting back on the computer and be like oh yeah i can't, i forgot about that you know you, you, you get to re-watch and relive some of these memories and, and i think getting to show my kid when she gets older or you know, the wife when i get home you know just show her like what just happened and I, she's just like, you know, she gets to see it too. So that, that, that's another big part of that as well. So.
1: Yeah. Cause I can't, I mean, I can't think of all the times where you're, you know, you're telling someone a story just wishing like, man, I just wish I could just, you know, download everything just so you could see it. Um, cause like, like you said, people ain't going to believe some of this stuff.
2: <laughs> yeah. And that, you know, we, uh, we, uh, actually my first archery bowl that I shot, I'll, I'll tell the story. The, 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 uh, yeah, it's actually pretty cool, and this—that's what actually got us to start filming. Uh, 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 uh went in, and we actually have an area that we go to every single year. It's one of the, you know, it's a, and we knew it actually uh during rifles and whatnot. And uh that was the perk about rifles: is you covered a lot of ground. We, it wasn't like it back in the old days. We were we were brought up, you know. Walking through the brush, walking through the timber, you know, and you jump up a bowl or and you shoot it. Back, you know, the old timers did it. Back, that's how I was brought up as well. And you didn't have the big old binoculars glass. We hunted thick timber, so uh, you know, getting to cover front, bed, grounds, water, all this stuff. So we found this area, and uh, we actually call it the kill zone <laughs> because we've hard literally over 15 bulls in okay. there. and uh, yeah it, it turned into something really special and uh actually every single one of us in this group has killed their first archery bull out of there their very first archery bull came out of that place, so it's that is pretty cool man but um, anyways we go into there we all set up and uh you know we start calling it's about three o'clock in the afternoon and uh the only time we ever hunt this area is in the evenings because the wind is just garbage and and he's blowing straight down these elk like to go down and bottom of this this big drainage and uh, so we get up in there in spot three o'clock in the afternoon we you know light cow calls and just kind of hanging out we're cold calling because usually these elk are they're in there we know in there so we're cow calling cow calling and then we get a, a bowl of here right across the draw you know to my left and um i bugle back right at him and uh he answers back right over the top of me and right there I knew he was he was already hot I didn't have to do much and uh so my brother and Jake Kerberry, they both just started calling and calling you know a cow calling and just sounded like we're a bunch of cows over there with the bull and uh this bull next time next thing you know like five minutes later he cut half that distance already he was already halfway to us and I was like wow this is gonna happen you know I don't this is insane, you know, and I've killed, you know, I've, I've shot, uh, eight rifle bulls before this. So like, I, it, you know, I've got the whole excitement thing, but this was totally different. This was like out of my whole, el- you know, it was out of my element. I like, over, I'm almost blacking out because how crazy I am. And I'm sitting there in this bowl, and this bull, he's chuckling, chuckling. And, uh, I bugle at him and he bugles back over the top of me. And I'm like, Dude, this bull is going to be big. You know, he's like, he, he's the one in charge of this right now. So I just, I actually bugling and I let the guys just start cow calling keep cow calling. And they were actually all, both of them were to my right about 30 yards. And then 30 yards beyond Jake was my brother and, and, uh, they're cow calling and they pull this bull right through right in front of me, 30 yards. And, he comes through the trees and he—I swear—he looked like a dinosaur coming out of there, just screaming, bugling, drools coming out the side of his mouth. I can picture it like totally perfect, like he is yesterday. And uh, you know, he's blunking and he—he he doesn't even stop. He's still walking and he's you know chuckling as he's walking. And right at my, yeah, there's a trail that comes below me at 30 yards, and I—I I went full draw on him as we went behind a tree. And, you know, uh, being an unexperienced archery hunter. Uh, and not Cal calling to stop him for a second, you know, to shoot. I actually like he he was walking and he was on a line for one of the cows, you know, which was which was Jake. And I just I literally put my pin where right where I want him. As soon as I seen fur right before the pin, I let it fly and it, I actually heart shot him just perfect. Like it was being uh, like if you walked it out, it's probably only like twenty three yards is what it really was. But it was down uh, it was downhill. And so, or, um, I'm sorry, it was, it was actually, yeah, it was 33 yards is what it was. Anyways, I put my 20-yard pin on it, and 20 just over my 20-yard pin, but yes, smoked him. And he had no idea what happened to him. We all, he was still cow calling or whatever, and he kind of looks around, and he just won 80s and kind of trots around the corner, and uh, I hear a crash and let him fall, and I was like, you know, like, I'm blacking out right there, I'm so <laughs> And I just standing there, like, I can't believe this happened. And then uh, I gave them the whistle and had them come over and come talk to me. And they're like, so tell me, you know, like, good shot. And I was like, yeah, like everything was slow motion. Everything was like perfect. And and we're standing there and we're all talking and they're all like, you know, hugging me and all that stuff. And I hear another, I hear a cow curp down below us. And so I cow called down to her and, and I, then a bunch of them start chirping, you know. And I was like, man, maybe this this bull had cows or whatever. And so we all start kind of calling again. We're just standing there because we already have, you know, we have a bull down right there. And we're we're all just standing there right there together. And uh, my brother actually shot his bull two days before this. <laughs> and so Jake Kerber, he's he uh, he has his bow in his hand, and I was like, knock an arrow, because all of a sudden I just seen these antlers, you know, and these antlers coming over the top of these trees. And I was like, you know, not, not going right now. And, and, uh, he reached as slowly as possible kind of standing out in the open and, uh, the bull steps out and he's, uh, he, I'm not joking. I bet he's three feet tall. He's a forked horn and just a weird, weird looking bull, just raggy looking bull steps out. And he was right at, he was right at about 35 yards below where we were standing. And Steps out in the opening and shoots, and the craziest thing happened, but it hit a branch. Actually, the arrow went right through his neck, cut his, you know, right through the jugular. And uh, that ball only went about 30 yards, tipped over, and we had two dead balls right there. That's
1: a full full regret, though, right there, man, because that's a whole lot of work side to side like that.
2: Oh yeah, and I've quartered out a lot of elk at this time, and I was like, "Okay, and we didn't know where my bull." Went. Like we heard him crash, but so those two were like, "I can't believe this just happened!" You know, like that, it was, hey, we're sitting there jacked about my bowl and and here comes another one. We now, now next thing you know, twenty yards away from where he just shot, the elk, we have another bowl in there. And we're like, "Oh, it's gonna be a long night." So this all happens too about six thirty and in, in the evening, and it gets dark. It gets dark right about eight o'clock um, during that time. And so we started walking around It's been about, I don't know, it's been about 40 minutes or so and felt the shots were good. And it went up with mine. And we, uh, we walked around the corner and I, I just seen them. And yeah, Oh man, that, I don't, that, that was one of the greatest feelings in the world. That very first article. And I mean, what has turned into now, but anyways, those two went down and started, cut or, you know, doing the rest of the work. And uh, on that bowl, I actually, quartered up mine by myself and I I had called a couple friends and they came and helped pack you know pack my bowl out and my brother and Jake went down and packed his out. And we were actually standing in my garage or my brother's garage here here in town at it's like twelve thirty at night. Oh shit two bowls six two hours in later. there and all. <laughs> <laughs> got her all done but like yeah that that was that was one to remember for sure. So, you yeah, have seen some never
1: Sorry, man. I've seen a bunch of pictures lately um, with those fork with those forky bulls uh, from up in Oregon, man. Um, at least three or four. It kind of tripped me oh, out definitely. when I saw him. I mean, super tall and just forked.
2: Yeah, yeah. I actually have some trail cam pictures of a bull that I bet he, I bet he's at, if he's not three feet or I, he, he could be minimum three and a half feet tall, and he's only. four. One side, and it's the craziest. And on a cam picture, I'll post it. One I'll post it. it it's pretty. It's pretty. I mean, you get some weird genetics, especially in these units that are. They're basically a general unit, you know, uh, for rifle and whatnot. But, um, but you, that's why you're just getting you're just getting some weird genes running around and some of the stuff. It's, it's just the way you know ways. And the thirds here in Oregon, Oregon's known for. Genes. Very, very small thirds. So, like, that is one trait for the Eastern Oregon over here. Like, a lot of bulls don't have any. They're pretty crazy.
1: So, on the, we talked about that, all that excitement, but on the opposite end of that spectrum, and I can't remember, it's been a while since you guys posted it. Um, but the Lost Bull story, man. And that one, that one, I, I, can full on relate to from my Wyoming, <laughs> my Wyoming bull. Um, but talk about that a little bit. Cause you guys, I mean, that was, that was really the first experience you guys had as a group. Um, and then to see the pictures that you posted and go, damn, you know, and like I said, I could totally relate. Cause you know, you're following that trail and you, you know, you could see where they stop and just pumping out and then, you know, high nor hair. Sure. So
2: uh after- we're in the exact same place as the last story i just told exactly exactly the same and, uh, well we're in there doing and cow calling and uh about 4 p.m actually it was at 4 or four thirty in the afternoon we had this bowl um just bugled one time one single time and uh Oh, we have a bunch of dogs outside. <laughs> uh, but anyway, so yeah, we, uh, we have this one bull go off and, you know, he's directly below all of us. Like he, he does not left, right, just dead center below us. And I was like, well, here we go. You know, we're, we have another bull coming in. So uh, and sat there working for a little bit and we got him to come right in and he was a giant six point. And, uh, anyways, he comes walking up and actually, Jake Kerberg was the shooter on this one. And the bull came over to my side. I'm packing my bow too. I'm a shooter as well. But uh comes walking over to my side, doesn't give me a shot, and he has a cow and a calf with him. And uh then they and then this bull gets you know my brother cow calls and pulls the bull back over in front of Jake and he's broadside about I don't know, right at thirty yards, broadside and he he may have been a little bit quartered in, maybe just a little bit, but to Jake he looked really broadside to him and uh anyways he let the arrow fly smacks him perfect you know he felt what he felt was a great shot I mean long long shot is what he said all he said may have been a touch high a little touch high but like it looked really good and uh, the bull runs down about 150 yards and he stopped and we're cow calling and cow calling and uh, trying to keep him calm and he just stands there and I bet he stood there for 20 minutes just standing there, and you can see you can see blood just dripping and dripping and dripping. We have I pulled the binos up and look at him, and he's down there a long ways. You couldn't even you couldn't launch an arrow that far, <clears throat> and we had nothing between us and him, so we couldn't get another shot into him. But uh, so we watched him for a while, and next thing you know, he kind of walks off, and he kind of you know just walks out of sight from us. So we stood there, and uh, we let about. We let another 30, 40 minutes maybe go by. And Jake, you know how the excitement is. Jake's like, we go down and at least see if we can find my arrow or we see where the blood starts, you know? And so I was like, you know, you talk yourself into it and whatnot. And we we're younger at this time, and I was like, all right, let's, you know, we can go down there. And this is 40 minutes after we went on a site. So thinking he should be expired by the time it is, You know, pretty good shot. It's well over an hour. Uh, we started walking down there and we find this puddle of blood and I'm talking two feet, you know, two feet wide. Yeah. It's like two by two or maybe even bigger than that, but it just looks bubbly and total. It's definitely it 100% oxygen, you know, in this thing. And, uh, there's a lot of blood. And I was like, we're already like all excited, you know, and counting our chicks, all this stuff. And, and, uh, well, we were sitting there, I was like, well, that's been over an hour. I was like, you guys want to start tracking? And and they're like, Jake was like, yep. So I bet it was within the first 40 yards. We start walking off this bench and it drops down into like this pretty thick North Face side with a lot of blow, a lot of downfall. And, uh, we're following pretty good blood. And we keep going and keep going, but we stop at this one spot and I thought I heard something get up, but I, you know, I didn't, there's three of us. We walk like we're, you know, apes out there (laughs) and we're not, you know, breaking branches. And I was like, you know, and I should have listened to my instinct right there too. Like I was kind of leading the pack and I thought I heard it, but you know, but none of the blood we kept walking and it didn't look like, you know, like if we jumped him, he didn't have a bed as well. and. It didn't look like once we jumped, a bunch of blood sprayed everywhere, or nothing either. So we're, I was, you know, I didn't think much of it, but we kept following it, and kept following it, and uh, next thing you know, we find kind of top like four inches of the arrow, which is weird, and there's blood all over it, and we're like, hey, this bull's got to be, you know, somewhere down in here. Well, this bull's heading straight downhill, heading straight for a creek, and we know we know exactly where, you know, we've we've hunted this. A lot, so we know what know what it is, and uh, we follow the blood all the way till about thirty or forty yards from that creek, and the blood disappears, like no more. It went from lots of blood up top to it was okay blood, you know, and but there's no beds, <clears throat> and then it gets about thirty yards from the bottom of the creek bed. Like we've gone a long ways already, and uh, anyways, yeah, they uh, no blood, no blood at all, but he was like he was running right to that creek so what we did was we stopped there with the blood as that nobody moved nothing when we kind of just all three of us kind of you know went around that last blood and started gritting for more blood and we spent we shot that he shot that bull at uh, like 4 15 4 30 maybe and uh by this time it's our by the time we get to the creek it's like right at dark like it's almost eight o'clock so like that—that's how long we were tracking, and uh, yeah, we we were out there till about one o'clock in the morning, looking for more blood. And then I was like, "All right, guys, well, let's just walk out this creek all the way. There's a road down in the very bottom. If you walk the creek out, you can hit that road, and we'll have someone just pick us up. And uh, we'll leave the rig over overnight at the top. And so that's what we did, man. I followed the creek bed all the way down, you know, and nothing like we never found where he could have went up you know and there's a lot of trails that come into this where elk are crossing it and whatnot but we it's like you've just vanished disappeared and uh the next um the next day we decided you know what we'll do is is we were having a good cold morning or we knew it was going to be a good cold morning. We knew the meat was going to be good. And I was like, and we still had like my tag to fill and my brothers. And I was like, well, let's go, let's go hunt up there again. We'll just help below all this. And, you know, uh, let's go up there and do that. And then we'll go, you know, see if we can find this bull again. So we hunted for like two, I tell about nine o'clock in the morning and we actually hunted right there at the bottom end of this draw. And we just basically hiked back up to where the blood was and we all day long there as well uh yeah we actually we we brought multiple friends up we did this we did this like three days in a row but we ended up not finding this pool. and you know that was the very first pool that uh, us as a group uh you know like as boss. so i mean we were trying to figure out you know what you know what causes or you know we we totally know that at least there was one lung involved in this because you know just the way the oxygen was in the blood like i mean bubbles and all. it's definitely one lung and talking to jake and talking to him he just was saying you know like he looked like he's broadside but if it, if it anything that could have totally been um, you know quarter quarter to him a little bit and you know could have missed one and the bull it didn't go out the other side either he didn't shoot through the bowl which is odd as well so you know uh that kind of that one haunted us like you know for a long time and it haunted him he almost actually quit hunting because you know we were full of, we, we were actually full you know full of excitement we were doing things perfect we were harvesting and ne- nothing ever ever happened and so right there and it makes you stop and think like you know it's, it's no one ever talks about no one ever talks about the lost ones or if they do they you know they, they don't want you don't want to talk about them and it's terrible and but you know that that's one thing we always strive ourselves on is like i don't you know i i don't like to see an animal suffer and i don't i i probably that's what we practice all year and religiously and you know just so this kind of stuff doesn't happen and for that for that to happen then we were young uh, you know comes to situations like that and uh it's here. I know that's made me a better hunter. Just going through that right there, and who knows? We we still has never found them. We still, we've hunted that area so many times, and uh, we we just we never had no closure with them, but. You know,
1: that is that is probably the hardest part of that scenario, right? Because, you know, you say you, you, that haunted you for a long time, but that'll haunt you guys, at least for me with mine, you know, my lost bull, that'll haunt me for the rest of my days, man. Um, Absolutely. Right. Because then you start looking at what you did wrong. Right. And that's a tough SOB. I mean, there's no there's no doubt about an elk's will to live and survive. Um, But you start looking at your shot placement and, you know, you're talking, oh, it's a little bit high, was a little bit back. And then all these questions just it's nonstop, especially for me, like going into season right and prepping for that next season and considering those mistakes and those uh, those hard lessons like that.
2: Yep. Yep. And it, it's definitely a, it, it kills all confidence when that happens. You, so you feel like you're the worst hunter and, you know, you, you, you're embarrassed, all that stuff. Every, every one of those feelings are coming over you and you just, you want to go hide in the closet. And <laughs> it, like, I, and I, and I didn't, I wasn't even one that like go to the arrow, but like we, uh, like I consider myself like a leader of this team, you know, like, I, I I really try to push every one of us, like, you know, to be the best we can be. And then when that, when that thing happened right there, it just, it humbled me completely and it brings you down to real life, you know, after all the success we were having before that. And, uh, you know, it's going to happen. It, it, it's going to happen. Things happen. And, you know, I, I it just, he is still to this day, we get, we could have just, we could have went down too early. He could have seen something that he didn't, you know, didn't really see. You know, he could have totally been ordered in. You only caught one lung on him. That bulk is still you're on it, you know. Uh, it definitely quicker. We learned so much stuff from that and it's made us better hunters. And uh, yeah, we just, that's one thing. That's one thing about us too that if, if something like that happens, like we, we will be recording that now too. And during that time right there, uh, during that whole deal, I don't, I don't know. I'm not sure if we were recording at this time or not. Or I don't think we were filming this at all. I think this was just, this was just at the very beginning of the film stage. So uh, I know, man, like if that happened, if that happened this year, you know, I'm going to take everybody on the ride along with that too, just because, you know, every you don't ever going to see that. See what people, this is what people need to see, like how to deal with people. D- you know, it's, it is a hundred percent the worst feeling in the world, but, you know, try to avoid it as much as you can and as much information as you can. And, you know, that, and that's one thing that I want, we learn from it and if I can help someone else learn from it, you know. I'll do that. So yeah,
1: and that's a hard call, right? I mean, you know, to say you went in too early, um, forty minutes, especially if you glass them up and you can see blood pouring out, and then you move a little bit and there's, you know, a two by two puddle. Um, that's like with my bull, you know, you can see where he stopped. And I mean, I had two puddles, right? And it that arrow was passed through. Um so he's bleeding out both sides. It's clear as day on the ground. So you're like, oh, he's right up here, you know. And then you, you know, you get up a little further. You lose a little blood. You backtrack and do it again. And okay, he's right up here. And then right up here never ends, man. <laughs> never ends.
2: One thing too is growing up as a kid. Like my dad always, and my dad always taught me. You know, we always have ribbon, no matter what. Mm-hmm. We always have ribbon in our. Back. Mark and, that blood uh, trail. That's one thing. I was marking the whole time we were doing this too, and I, and like we've never had to go over a hundred yards. After you know we shot the ball, and within a hundred yards usually you find him, and we've never had to do that. And I already knew instantly by the time we got to the end of the bench where where he walked out of sight, it was already going to be a hundred yards, and I was like, I'm going to start marking now, you know. And I'm glad I did because in that blood trail a bunch of times, and we still didn't find it, but that tells you right there. Like how tough those elk are. And and it it also teaches you that elk are, they're they're either, when they get shot, they're either going to head towards what makes them feel safe, they're going to head towards water because they don't feel good, and that they're going to get away from danger as fast as they can. And knowing what I know now, I've watched, I've seen bulls die like almost in the water, almost making it all the way to water now. And uh, that's just, that's another lesson I learned too. Before that whole deal, I was like, you know, like, I wonder if he, Crick down you know like and it i was expecting to actually find him in the creek but i didn't know why he was doing that and you know they do that because they don't feel good they're going to go drink water you know try to make that, and that that's what i've read at least but a lot of less Learn with it, and don't think you're invincible. That's that's when it's going to happen to
1: you. Uh, and that's so. kind of, I mean, you know, another another facet of what it is. But that's the good stuff, right? I mean, if it was, if we weren't going through those lessons and the constant change, um, I don't know that a lot of us would be as passionate about it as we are. You know, those challenges are why are why we pursue it.
2: No, absolutely, absolutely, and you know, I like I want to. The one thing I strive myself on and so the rest of my guys is like trying to be the best hunter you can be in all stages of it, whether it be the pregame, like the scouting, trying to learn the animal and do that, to learning your equipment, your gear, your bow, all that stuff too. Even the after the harvest, you know, after shooting the bull, like learning how to quarter it, learning how to take care of the meat. Like that's why you're there for it, you know, and like and from start to finish, I, I get you know that's that's one thing where, where that makes makes me love our group as much as it is because we were you know that's what we're there for that's what we're really doing it for and when we start filming that's second because we want to show other people the experience and stuff but when we started this it was just because how awesome everything was but then the more we got into it not everything is all awesome
0: so <laughs> that's.
2: Just, that's
1: yeah, it, it, it does have its, it does have its suck fest moments, man. Um, it definitely has those. And, and those are, those are way more frequent than, than the highs that we experience, Right. I mean, you know, arrowing a bull or deer. Um, I mean, look at, look at success rates. Right. I mean, you know, especially in archery, um, Ten percent on elk you know is pretty much the general, and you know you start talking mule deer, I believe it's even lower than that it's somewhere around four percent um so those those hard lessons are are way more frequent than those uh than those packouts are man
2: and I, and I think that's what makes hunting what it is, honestly it makes all the best all of everything that's like. You know, you just get beat up and beat up, beat up. But the reward at the end of it, at the end of it, and when you are successful, that, that that's what makes. I mean, and was that's what makes hunters hunter. You know, that's why we. Out, when, once that all happens, I mean, it feeds the fire and it, it makes you keep going. Yeah. It, it sucks.
1: Give Give me but, more of that last hit. <laughs> You know, and then, I I mean, and then it escalates, right? Because then it becomes, you know, I was talking to somebody the other night and they're like, I had posted something and they were like, Oh, you know, Edgar Allan Poe, not just go kill something. And I'm like, you know, bro, I'm chasing the one, not anyone. Like I'm, I'm after a particular animal and that particular animal is putting me through something that I am willing to go through for that one animal, like walking away without notching that tag on that animal. I'm perfectly fine with. Um, And I, and, and that adds to that experience. And, and honestly, it adds to your game too, right? I'll go back a little bit smarter. I mean, we're on top of deer in this, in this hunt that, yeah we can arrow them we can go after them but it's not why we're here so i'm gonna stay focused on that game
2: and the only way to grow you know grow as a hunter and learn discipline is to you know you you pick your target and you go for it. settle for less like for me for you know the the last two years i i told people uh, you know the guys that hey i am strictly after a mature bull and that's like, that's what I wanted. And it's not nothing to do with, you know, the anglers or being a trophy hunter or it's nothing about that. It's actually just, it's pushing myself even harder to get it. You know, to, bigger balls are harder to kill. And I want to achieve that. You know, I, I want to I know what that feels like to, you know, beat the, beat the master at his own game. So,
1: I mean, we talk about that, right? Especially with elk, you know, the monarch of the mountain. Well, that monarch has some years on him. You know, I think the the average age of harvested bulls in Oregon is somewhere in the three and a half to four and a half year range. Um so, you know, anything outside of that, you, you know, you're, you're getting up in age class, man, and it, uh, it's just next level, you know, the, with the rut, those those larger bulls aren't going to go do a bunch of work, you know, they know that they're going to hold the cows when, when the time comes, um, and they're not going to leave those cows once they're with them, you know, so you're, yeah, you kill one of those monarchs, man, you're doing something right.
2: Absolutely, absolutely, and that—that—that's you just find those things like that. They keep pushing, and everybody's different. And that's what makes it so unique. So,
1: yeah, I don't. Uh, I'm not going to be as picky on a bull this year, but uh something's dying.
2: <laughs> so, yeah, uh oops, of sorry. the same thing. Uh, I was just saying. I, I, I thought about doing the same thing as well, just hey, with all the changes happening in Oregon and whatnot. I think it's time to just make sure we put the meat in our freezer, especially with the COVID stuff that's happened and how it's affected everything. And I'm glad I've had elk meat in my freezer, you know, and, be able, you know, with the changes coming in Oregon next year, I I'm not, I don't think I'm going to be being picky this year either. I'm just, you know, I'm going to take my opportunities when I get them, so...
1: But nothing wrong, you know, you, you even kind of qualified it, right? And, and folks say trophy hunting, um, which has this negative connotation. But ultimately, you know, ultimately, if that's our pursuit, that's our pursuit, right? That trophy is what we qualify it as in our own minds. So whether that's a little, you know, rag or a, or a giant fork and horn bull, <laughs> a freak of a bull, you know, it's just... Yeah, trophy hunt, meat hunt, whatever it is, man. It's it's all the same pursuit, you know. Slightly different experience, same pursuit.
2: Absolutely, absolutely. It's just putting yourself one step harder. Plus, I mean, you want to go down that go down that road with the trophy, you know, trophy hunting. You are taking more meat off the mountain for your family, and you're also helping the herd dynamic as well. So, and people don't look at the little, you know, the little thing and all the big things like that, you know, and they just get the trophy thing stuck in their head, but you know, better, it's better all the way around. So let the little ones grow way life. So
1: on the lighter side of things, um, face paint patterns bro (laughs) you guys are you guys are men after my own heart with the face paint oh i was laughing at that post and and you guys you know um i think the question was on there do you just throw it on randomly or you got some specific pattern um at me I you know I'm not going to say it's a, a pattern but there's a way that I do it and I never thought about it and I saw that post and now just about every time I bust that stuff out I start laughing and I think about that like damn this is a pattern <laughs> <laughs> that,
2: honestly I love painting up it brings the little kid back out and, you,
1: yeah, and it
2: brings the fun <laughs> and when you're doing that and you're, you're laughing out of fun getting throw paint on and going out there and you know, acting like a kid again, that's that's what uh that's what it's all about, man. We last year last year we uh we all had we had so much nature's paint on us and I was like, you know what? I'm gonna have fun with this. And I, I you know, I was on my vacation for a week and <laughs> I come walking out of the bathroom before we, you know, took off to go back out hunting and yeah, I did a full on face. And I messed it up, so I had to wash it off, and redo it again. <laughs> it wasn't perfect. But then you find your one after you shoot milk with, with the, your face. It was you never want to change it, or you just barely modify it to see if you know. I'm very superstitious as well, so like you might see the same. Why I shoot a this year with with that face paint on in a certain <laughs> way. <laughs> he was going to be on there again. Yep. <laughs> so, and, yeah.
1: and if you're as bad as me, it can't be a different paint. Like it has to be this one. <laughs> that that yep. all adds yep. to that superstition, man.
2: Absolutely, I yeah. I'll tell you the very first. Uh, I'll tell you a superstition I have. When that uh, with the very first opening day or whatever, we're walking through the was The very. Uh, I don't know if you can get in trouble for this or not, but the very first ribbon you see tied on a tree, whatever it is, whatever color it is, whatever you see, the very first one you see, you go tear a piece off of it and you tie it onto your bow. And we've we've literally started that when I was a, a rifle hunter. And the very first one we ever seen, you know, when you're walking through the woods, you pop it off, you tie it on a knot. And you know what? That's it's just a luck thing for us. We always be like, well, we haven't got a ribbon yet. That's why, you know, go put a ribbon on. Oh, I Kill had, like, something. That since day one, so it's just something that another superstition we have.
1: Yeah, I gotta, I have to pack in a. I have a sweatshirt some guys gave me years ago, and it's the ugliest GD sweatshirt you ever seen with a white tail and a barn on it. And uh every year, man, I don't before whatever season it is. If I'm packing that sweatshirt, it could be 98 degrees out, and I got that sweatshirt on packing because I refuse to screw up my entire <laughs> season. <laughs>
2: That's, I actually had a Vortex shirt that, uh, you, you can go onto my Facebook or you can go onto my Instagram and look, but there's this black Vortex shirt that I got. is my very first Vortex shirt I've ever got, you know, from, and, uh, I wore it religiously on hunts all the time for some reason, but I have harvested, I like eat with somebody when I have that on that harvested animal or myself. And like I can look at a bunch of harvest pictures or whatever that I'm in, I'm wearing that shirt, like, one of them. And so every time we go hunting, even even my wife's like, uh, "Your vortex shirts in there if you want to if you're gonna wear." It. <laughs> <So> <laughs> I'm like, "All right, you
1: gotta have <laughs> it." Kind of- hey, if it if it ain't broke, don't fix it. That's what I say on those. I don't want to find out if it if. uh, if the superstition is uh real or not you know i i I'm not gonna leave that one to chance so i'm gonna keep uh <laughs> i'm gonna keep with my face painting my uh ugly white tail sweatshirt man
2: yep yep that that's, that's funny so yeah but yeah I'm excited for this year we got we got uh, actually one of the guys are moving back to back to over here to uh eastern oregon and he's going to be back around. He was actually living over there in Eugene and just traveling back over here to come hunt. He did a little bit of stuff over on the coastal range, but you know, he didn't really get too far deep into that, but yeah, he's moving back this year. And so we'll have the, we'll have the squad back good for all seasons. So that'll be, that'll be, so yeah.
1: So what are the, what are the 2020 plans looking like? What are you guys are you going to hit the same area you got? Well, you said you had your out of state, your Idaho hunt. What else is on the yeah. docket?
2: Uh, it, every single year, I'm always trying to scout new ground and whatnot. And usually, at the beginning of season, like kind of what we do, we're like, you know, before th- when we when things get desperate, is when we actually go hit areas that we know that usually produce. But you know, we go hit a lot of new areas, in you know, all around our county or even outside of our county. But uh, yeah, we just got our archery season this year um, here in Oregon, and then. Uh, my brother, Trevor, and I will be taking off to Idaho with one of our buddies for our rifle meal there hunt October. Then um, you know, uh, my dad has a rifle, first season bull tag over here as well, too. So, I mean, that's basically what we got this year. I didn't, I didn't go get any uh, elk tags out of state this year just because I didn't know how things were going to be going with the COVID stuff. And I actually, having my kid in March, you know, I didn't, money-wise, I didn't. I didn't know how things were gonna go either. So, you know, we, I took it a little easier this year. Last year we did an elk hunt as well, and uh, so I've got to experience Idaho. I think next year, archery, we'll be heading over to Montana or somewhere, somewhere different, maybe Colorado. I don't know yet, but but yeah. So this year, it's just you know we're gonna just do a one out of state tag, and we're gonna stay close to home. So
1: none wrong with that, especially with the track record, man.
2: Yeah, we got a few guys that are actually going to come down for archery hunting that I've never hunted with, and uh, I'm gonna take them out a little bit. And you know, they're they're friends of mine that I've known for a while, that I've never hunted with. And um, they're hunting over there actually in Central Oregon. And so he's going to come on home, come over here, and you know, I'm gonna take. So I get a, I get a chance to take some new people hunting. So that'll be fun. Yeah, that's all. Other than that, yeah, cool stuff. So
1: so with all that with all that success man I'm, I'm sure you've you know weighed weighed the tactics man so what what would you consider because we hear a lot about you know hear a lot of talk about elk tactics right we talk and, and and it's primarily calling and i think there's a seems to be a little bit of a change coming with that but for years it's been call 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 um learn this call what is in your opinion the most underrated tactic when it comes to hunting elk
2: underrated tactic uh honestly uh, a lot of people a lot of people do the call 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 but on, what what we do is we just consider ourselves adaptable so what I mean by adaptable is over here in East Oregon it's forced you to be adaptable because of just the way the landscape and the ground is we try to let the elk do as much of the work as possible if possible or me at times right you're gonna we we consider ourselves mostly callers you know we're gonna call we're gonna call elk in as much as possible but there's a lot of scenarios over here where um where maybe spawn stock is uh you know is what we're gonna have to do or or not saying a peep and letting them you know getting good wind and holding steady till they come to you and and letting them do all the work but uh you know for elk tactic wise um underrated honestly I don't know I I would just uh you know I you utilize that cow call uh you can never go wrong with the cow call I mean I I think everyone's all into the all that stuff all the time but honestly if you're if you're not after a big giant bull and whatnot and uh I think just finding elk in general is like super, you know. Everyone wants to call a bolt. You just step over on top of a cliff and down into another, you know, big old, big old canyon or whatever and rip a duke off and hoping to get responses. But if you do your homework for four seasons and you know where elk they've been, I think you're cutting your, cutting, you know, you'll be way more successful in the long run knowing where your elk are. I, I actually think I actually
1: think you hit the nail on the head with the adaptability, um, being able to respond to different scenarios. And that's one of the things, you know, that that will screw me up is you get stuck on, you know, you listen to a guy and you're like, oh man, this guy is killed, you know, he has a batting average of 97, 98%, and you get stuck on that tactic and it doesn't the, the elk doesn't know his playbook, right? And you're trying to follow that playbook and you kind of get stuck in that playbook. So you you take out all that adaptability or that creativeness and that aggression going in on an animal. Um, So I think you hit the nail on the head, man, with, with, you know, realizing and being adaptable in each scenario. I think that's uh, I think that's the money right there.
2: I think, I think living over here with being a lot of pressure, we're in the high desert up here, you know, you got thick timber up, you know, you got a thick, thick, thick timber range around here. And then, but also comes down right into uh, a you know sagebrush rolling no and whatnot and you're playing around in both of them and you're not going to go sit there and call it, scream at a bull with cows and whatnot or even just even scream at a bull in the same and thinking he's going to come running right into you he if he's not seeing what he wants he's not going to come in but you could do that in the timber it just it forces you to be adaptable and to do you know do what you got to do to get the job done and uh I think that's just the whole persona around, you know, the whole Instagram and like the social media is that everyone wants it the way you, everyone wants to you know, bugle a bull in because that's the most exciting. But to get the job done, it might that bull might have to come in silent. You know, you you, you alcohol and you cast soft alcohols and you, you know you're outside. You know, just not too far outside of a herd. You're gonna have satellites coming in uh, silent just to check it out, or you know that that's a, that's one tactic we always use too. Is I mean we get in. We know there's usually a herd of elk that sits in somewhere. We'll go. We'll crawl in there really early, two o'clock, one o'clock in the afternoon. We'll go crawl right in there where they we think they're bedded, and we'll we'll soft cow call. And those satellites that aren't sitting with the herd they'll get up and come and investigate. And sometimes you even get a big bullet if you do that. He'll sneak away from his cows for a second to just see what, and uh, you get your opportunities that way. So that that would be my biggest advice is just be able to open your game up to, uh, not just bugling and calling and spot and stalk, but just even, you know, just recognizing situations as they happen. So Heck
1: yeah, good stuff, man. You know, the one thing we didn't talk about, are you guys, are you still doing the podcast?
2: Uh, yeah, I think I'm going to get a little bit more into it too. It's just, you know, uh, I I have so much on my plate right now with everything. Like, I try to keep up with this, this, and this. And, <laughs> you know, the podcast so much fun. It is so much fun that I'm going to do a little bit more focusing on that. And that thing, we're going to get that thing, to dip, you know, taken off here soon. So I just, I love sitting here BSing and talking and, you know, I'll do that. And how easy is it to, you know, you get a public, you get a publish this right here I mean you just sitting here talking yeah Uh, talking hunting the (laughs) The hunting lies podcast you just tell lies all day
1: that's it yeah when you launched that I was like that's the perfect name man
2: yeah Uh, yeah I work as a a sporting good manager and I always have these old timers coming in telling me hunting stories and fishing stories and you know just stories all the time and like I love that. I love listening to the old stories, the way things happen and I was like, you know what? You know, like when I'm driving to work, I want to listen to a hunting story or something like that. So that's uh that's kind of the direction I'm going with that. And I don't we there's a plenty of informational podcasts out there of how to do certain things and all that, but sometimes you just wanna sit back and listen to somebody's experience and what happened to them and whatnot. not? Mm-hmm. I think that's a good outlet for
0: it.
1: Heck so. yeah. I mean that's kind of the Uh, similar to the road I'm on, man, you know, and, and for me, it is, uh, there's a misconception with, with, you know, with hunters, right. We're, we're bloodthirsty. We're killers. We're trophy hunters. You know, why do you do that? You can go to the grocery store, but I don't know. and, And in my opinion, right. And I'm hella biased. Um, I don't know that you find the set of values that hunters walk around with, um, in general, right? Generally speaking, there's always a, a, a bad apple, um, but generally speaking, the, the majority of our demographic, due to the values that we hold and the things that we respect, I, it's just unbelievable to me. And you can still, you can still get the how tos and whatnot. I mean, look at what we talked about, right? If someone's listening, they're going to get a lot more than just go do it this way.
2: I one thousand percent agree with you, that is like that dead on, uh, yeah, I don't know very many other people that care about these animals that are we hunting that it's kind of weird to say that like we're hunting these animals, but I'll tell you like i I would never want to see one suffer, you know, and like I don't know if that guy the guy next to you that doesn't hunt cares much about that, you know, like he doesn't look at it, that way. and uh yeah, it's just it, it it's 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 just a whole other part of life that people don't you know. It, they don't know until you do it and that's one thing that if you do it and you you get experience it then you'll know exactly what we're talking about and why we do this what we do but and unfortunately i mean if somebody wants to have a bad look on here you know whatever it is all you got to do is you pull up something here or there and and focus on that, the the big picture. So, I
1: mean, yeah, I, and I, you know, it's funny. I don't want to go down that rabbit hole too deep, but it's funny because the respect that we have for life and not just the animals, but just in general, I think is more appreciative because of becoming one in that ecosystem and, you know, the ability to take that life, um, but you know, and utilize, Life, we're you know, the life we're taking, what the meat we harvest after the kill, absolutely. But yeah, man, every
2: time you, every time, what's that?
1: Oh, no, no, go ahead.
2: Just every time you even take a bite of that meat, it's me, you know, like even my my family, all, all my wife, my dad, everybody, our whole family, we everything that we hunt. And uh, everybody you take of that take, I mean, I think about, I'm thinking about the memories of like, you know, that all that happening and the respect of the animal and all that stuff. So, but we are also brought up. So uh, I, I I don't know. I mean, being, being on the level with, that we are when we go out there and experience those things with them, seeing it firsthand, it makes you respect it and you get to see what animals they are. So yeah, it's just hard for outsiders to see it. And, but, that's why we're doing what we're doing right now and talking on these podcasts just you know try to try to explain it
0: a little better
1: yeah some some people get it um and some people will never want to get it but uh i guarantee you that that cellophane and foam package uh of beef gets wasted a lot more than butcher paper in our freezers man absolutely I, I could drop a steak on the ground. The 10-second rule doesn't apply. I don't care how long it's sitting there. That's some bitch getting eaten, <laughs> <All> right? <laughs> nothing nothing to waste, man. But brother, I appreciate the time, man. I'm glad we uh, finally got to catch up again. Congrats on the little girl. Um, that's a life changer. Um, I'll you know you'll be crying in twenty years or so, <laughs> like a big old baby. <laughs>
2: Yeah, uh, yeah, man. I, I appreciate you having me on too, and like, yeah, it a good time. It a good time to BS with you, talking with you, and uh, yeah, good luck on your season and and uh, your last week in a cocktail hunting. If you get a good-
1: yeah, we'll see how that. I'll see. Got to. I got to figure out how I feel about a hundred and twenty this weekend. So. <laughs> 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 it's brutal I mean you know what I mean you drive you drive four hours away it's 120 degrees 100 at night you got about 45 minutes in the morning to hunt and uh, that's all she wrote so yeah it's a, it's an For interesting sure. an interesting pursuit up there
2: absolutely I'll try it with you but uh, yeah good luck with it go get it
1: appreciate it man same to you brother appreciate the time
2: all right man yeah so. All right. Well, good luck this September.
1: Thanks, brother. You too. Thank you for listening. We spend a lot of time preparing for our hunts, and how we fuel our efforts is key. Head over to to ValleyToPeakNutrition.com, helping you perform optimally in the backcountry. The purpose of Valley to Peak is to provide sound nutritional information supported by science. To help you prepare and perform optimally in the backcountry, there's no secret. This is done through education, coaching, and programming based on personal goals and preferences. Head over to to ValleyToPeakNutrition.com or catch them on Instagram at b 2 p
0: nutrition.